Hey, good morning. Hey, we are continuing in our series called Pirates, and we've just been simply having this discussion that says, uh, what is it that God would hope that you and I would do with our treasures, with the things that He's put in our care, with the resources that He's bestowed? What, what is it that God would hope uh, we would do, we would leverage, we would use what He's given us for? And so we're just having that discussion for the next few weeks because the reality is there's all sorts of views, there's all sorts of uh, ways in which we live our life that we lose the treasure. We misplace the treasure, the treasure's robbed from us. And so we said, what does it mean to ward off the pirates? What does it mean to find the treasure? So we've been doing that. And uh, if you were, I came in this morning, you probably got some Skittles. How many, you ever get some Skittles? Did you get some? Yes? Yes? Okay. Uh, how many of you noticed as you came in and were getting the Skittles that some people got bigger Skittles than other people got Skittles? Did you notice that? Some of you are going, what? What? Bigger Skittles? And now you're looking at your Skittles, you're going, hey, hey, how many people got like little bags of Skittles? Little bags of Skittles. Yeah. You're little Skittle people. <laughs> how, many, how many got some big old honking bags? Show your bags. Of, come on, show your big old honking bag. No, that's not a honking bag. Show the honk, honking bag. Look at that. There's a bag of Skittles. Well, look at that, look at that, right? Now some of you are going, what? How come? Right? Isn't that interesting? You, you were completely happy with your bag of Skittles until you saw his. You know? Now you're feeling all competitive. You're like, what does it take to get a big bag? Who does he know? Why was I overlooked? Right? Which I, I just, you know, i got to be honest, I'm right there with you, man. I mean, there, there's something about me, there's something about my human nature and about your human nature that says, look, 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 it's all about how big the pile gets, right? It, it's about how many Skittles we can hoard together. And, and, and it's an interesting moment that happens in our life when we discover someone's got a bigger pile than us. <clears throat> Which takes us right back to last week and what we were talking about and this whole idea of ownership. This whole idea that the pile is all about me, and, and, and I own the pile. It's what causes me to ask pile questions. How come their pile's bigger than my pile? And God must love me more than he loves them because my pile's bigger than theirs. And we discovered last week that God said, no, 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 no. What you, what you don't understand is that you don't own anything. That, that everything you touch, everything that you see, everything that's been brought into your influence came to you, you ready, from the hand of God. And that God never relinquished ownership. He merely lent it to us. Which then brings up an interesting question. Well, well, well wait a minute. You're telling me, you're telling me I don't own my house? No. <coughs> It's not your house. Whoa, 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 you're telling me I, I, I don't own my car? I, I work for my car. How does that work? No, no, no. You know, I'm the guy who did overtime. And remember we said, you knew God gave you that job when you prayed for it, remember? And the reality is if you and I, if you and I were thinking, Jesus would say, if you were thinking clearly, you'd understand it's all mine. I have merely trusted you with it. Which brings up then an interesting question. 
if it's not mine, if it isn't, if, if I don't own any of this stuff, does that mean God's making my car payment next week? No. It brings up this question, which says, then what is my role? What, what is my responsibility? How am I supposed to be relating to my pile that I have? And really, I think Jesus answers that question for you and me in an interesting passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles, if you'll go over there with me this morning. So Luke chapter 12. If you're not real familiar with your Bibles, if you go to the back and then work to the left. Now, I just want to remind us as we do this and as we have this discussion today and for the next few weeks, look, you don't have to agree right away. I get, and we even said this to each other, we said, look, God's, God's going to take us on an interesting journey, and remember we handed these out last week, and we said, you know, you stick your fingers in, and instinct is to pull away. I promise you, as we talk about our stuff, because you want to know what? There is nothing in this world that you and I are more sensitive about than our stuff. That there's going to be moments in the middle of this discussion you're going to want to pull away. It's going to feel natural. You're going to go, whoa, 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 that, I hate that answer. And all we said is, look, 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 look. Before you do what comes natural, before you do this, because this will only trap you more. This will only lead you down the path that your friends have already taken. Would you consider that what God says about our stuff is like pushing in? It's going to feel incredibly unnatural. It's, it's going to, at first blush, sound like exactly the wrong answer, and yet, are you ready for this? It's the only way to find freedom. So would you be willing, would you, be, would you consider pushing in, hearing what Jesus says on the topic, and before you discard it, could you have a talk? Here's Jesus talking about my new role since I, I figured out I don't own it, now how do I relate to my stuff? And it's Luke chapter 12. Now here's what I have to say to you very honestly. I read this passage of scripture that you and I are about to read for years. And when I read this passage of scripture, it absolutely confused me. I, I, it was a part of scripture I looked at and I said, I, I don't get why God even put that in the Bible. I don't, it doesn't even make sense to me. Here's why. You ready? Because I read this passage of Scripture as an owner. Matthew chapter 12, it's verse 13. Here we go. Let's read it right now as owners. You ready? Here's what it says. Someone in the crowd said to him, to him is Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Only sounds fair, right? Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me to be a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his, next word, possessions. Do you get that Jesus is still doing? The crowd thinks they're owners. And now he's about to tell you and I something about this new relationship that you and I are to have to our possessions, okay? And he's told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop, and he thought to himself, what shall I do? 
I have no place to store my crops. He then said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This. this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. Now, I, I, again, I just got to be honest. I, for years, for, I read that passage and I went, I don't get it, Jesus. Why, why are you so upset with this guy? This guy is living the American dream. I mean, isn't this what you do? You, 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 know, you get stuff and, and you accumulate it, and it sounds like he's trying to take good care of it. He's going to build some new barns so it doesn't get wet and doesn't, you know. This is what you do, isn't it, Jesus? And, and I, I get to the end, and I go, I, I don't get why God is so ticked off. Why, why does God call that guy a fool? He's an owner. Did you catch the passage? I'll build for me, for mine, bigger barns so that I can possess and so that I can keep and so that I can have. And Jesus says, no, no, you don't get it. You're not an owner anymore. You ready? You're a manager. You're a manager. And managers have to ask completely different questions than owners. See, the thing is, if, if we're owners... If he's an owner, then you can ask these questions. You can build bigger barns if you're an owner, but not if you're a manager. Because a manager, every time something comes into their management, has to ask a different set of questions than an owner asks. So let's just go through those for a few minutes. What are some of the questions? What are some of the things a manager has to ask that are different than what an owner asks? Number one, the manager has to ask, what would the owner want me to do? How would the owner want me to handle this, spend this, leverage this? What would the owner do if the owner were here? See, that's different. The owner doesn't have to ask that question. The manager does. See if this helps. Years ago, I'm nine years old. Dinosaurs are walking the earth. I end up going and working for my uncle's lawn service, which he would want me to tell you this morning was a professional lawn service. We weren't just cutting grass, we were professionals. And uh, my uncle agreed to pay me, you ready for this? $2 a day, which is probably what I was worth. Uh, and uh, nine years old and I go to work for my uncle. Now, here was the problem. I went to work for my uncle and I thought I was the owner. So as I, in my nine-year-old thinking, began to cut the yard, guess how I cut the yard? I cut it like a nine-year-old. Anybody want to guess what that looked like? My uncle 
uh, knew Jesus as his uh, personal Savior. He had just forgotten that. <laughs> I remember all too vividly my first lawn. And as my Uncle Marty came walking up to me and saw my first lawn, he shared with me uh, how he thought of my lawn mowing technique and skill. <laughs> and let's just say I cannot repeat any of the words he used today. I spent the next few hours on the van angry as all get out at my uncle. How dare he cuss me out? How dare he? I'm only nine years, I mean, hey, I'm working for two bucks a day. <laughs> and somewhere between the first yard and the eighth yard, and believe me, those seven yards in between were painful. I made a decision. I'm going to cut a yard better than my uncle. I, I, I'm, I'm going to do it so well, he'll be embarrassed that a nine-year-old's better than him. And I went on the next yard. Got done with the yard. Hopped back in the van. I said, okay, what did you think? Silence from my uncle. I think he was enjoying yelling. Can I tell you that, that my goal, starting that day forward as a nine-year-old, was to always mow a yard, always trim a yard, always work on a yard, faster, better, with more expertise than my uncle. That he would never, 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 never again say, you didn't do it right. When I got to be 16, I decided it was time to get a real job, and I got ready to leave my uncle's professional lawn mowing company. My uncle came to me and said, Lynn, please, 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 do not leave. I, I will do anything. I will pay you whatever salary you ask for. I will come and pick you up. and t I, I will do whatever I have to do to have you on my lawn mowing crew. You ready for this? Because no one else, no one else mows a lawn the way I would mow a lawn. See, that's what a manager knows. See, a manager knows that when they're a manager, you don't mow a lawn for yourself. You mow it for the owner. How cool would it be in every one of our lives if God would say, look, 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 I just need to give you more. I, I need to trust you with more. And I need to, I, I need, because there's no one else I could give this to who would take care of it, use it, leverage it, exactly how I would do it. See, you're my best manager. How great would it be at the end of the day when you and I close our checkbooks that we heard the applause of Jesus going, man, you put every dime where I would have put the dime. You spent every extra moment you had the way I was hoping you'd spend the extra moment. You are amazing at managing what I have trusted you with. See, it's a different question for a manager than an owner. Second principle. When God gives you and me more, when God prospers a manager, when God puts more in our care, it's not to raise your and my standard of living. It's to raise our standard of giving. I'll say that again. When God gives you more, it's not so that you can buy the next bigger car. It's not so you can replace the barns. 
God does not give us more to raise our standard of living. He gives us more to raise our standard of giving. How many have had children? How many are still trying to survive? Okay. Every once in a while in the moments in our lives, there comes a moment where you go, man, I can't believe my child was able to do that. Imagine you send your child off to school and you pack a lunch. School day gets over, you pick them up, school's done. You say, how was school today? And they say, well, it was, it was okay. How was your lunch today? Did you like it? And all of a sudden, they get kind of a sheepish look on their face. You say, well, what's wrong? You didn't like what I packed? You didn't eat? Well, I was sitting in the cafeteria next to Toby, and, and when I looked over at Toby's lunchbox, I realized his mom hadn't packed him very much. I looked at everything you'd packed, and I mean, I had a full lunchbox, so I gave Toby part of my lunch. I hope you're not mad. Now, guess what most of us are doing? I am the best parent in the world. <laughs> Taught my kid to share. We're going to go to Cold Stone Creamery, celebrate. See, we get that, right? We get that. It's interesting that when you and I get to be adults, we lose that. Anybody like chocolate chip cookies? Who loves them? Who just loves chocolate chip cookies? You love chocolate chip cookies, do you? Come on. Come on. What's your name? Cindy. Cindy. You like chocolate chip cookies, yeah. huh, Cindy? That's totally cool. You know what? I have got a bunch of chocolate chip cookies here. They look pretty good, too. Yeah. So here's what happens. See, God gives you and me a plate full of chocolate chip cookies. And we're going, hey, I really do. God is so good to me. Bless me with chocolate chip cookies. And then, and then, and then, you know, here's the weird part. God all of a sudden says, I'd like to have a cookie back. And that freaks us out, right? We're all like, oh, dude, I mean, Indian giver, and all right. I'll give you one back. So then we start doing this with our cookies. And then we see Cindy. We go, Cindy. No. We go, Cindy, God didn't give you any chocolate chip cookies. What's wrong with God? What was he thinking? I mean, he gave me a whole bunch of chocolate chip cookies. Let's pray, Cindy. Come on. <laughs> Dear God, would you give Cindy some chocolate chip cookies? You seem to have forgotten. Amen. Because here's why. You and I, you and I are pretty sure that the reason God gave us these chocolate chip cookies was for us. Aren't we? And what if? 
What if God all along was saying, no, 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 the reason I filled your plate up is I was hoping I could trust you with the kingdom. See, I was hoping because you knew me and because you loved me that, that you would find places to give your cookies, to make me more famous, to make ministry go farther, to help people like Cindy see me. See, that's the reason I filled your plate. What if? Okay, here's the deal. All you got to do is share, okay? okay? All right. There we go. Okay. Okay. Principle number one. A good manager always mows the yard like the owner. Okay? Principle number two. A good manager knows the cookies aren't just for them. Principle number three. Sometimes, 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 sometimes. Sometimes my plate gets small. Sometimes I don't have enough. Not because God can't provide enough. Sometimes I don't have enough because the last time he trusted me, I wasn't faithful. See, sometimes, sometimes the reason I'm sitting here saying, I, I can barely make ends meet. I mean, I, truth is, I can't. Sometimes, it's because the last time I didn't do with it what he hoped. I have a friend of mine who came in my office a, a month or two ago and said, hey, you getting ready to take off pretty soon? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm getting ready to get out of here. And he said, could I borrow your iPod docking thing? You can tell how technical I am. <clears throat> and, uh, and I said, well, I guess, but I had to, like, put the wire behind my bookshelves, and you have to pull the bookshelves out to get, you know, the cord in the right place, and it, it's, it's a lot of work. And, and my friend said to me, well, I don't care. It's okay. I, I'm going to be here for a while, and it'd just be nice to have some tunes, and, and I promise I'll bring it back when I'm done uh, today, and it'll be there in the morning for you. So I said, okay, as long as you bring it back, I, okay. So I leave, come back in the next morning, sit down at my desk, look up at my bookshelf, empty. I go to my friend, I go, hey, dude, I, you know, you said you're going to, you know, put that thing back this morning, and it's not there, and I'm just wondering if you could put it back, you know, a little bit later, and he goes, oh, man, I took it home. I'm like, what? See, my friend thought he was an owner. And I said, dude, wait, wait, you took it home? Yeah, I took it home. He said, I'll, I'll bring it back. I'll bring it back. All right. Three weeks. I go to my friend. I go, dude, I, three weeks, and I haven't been able to listen to my tunes. You told me you'd bring it back the next day. It was going to be there. He goes, no, 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 I promise. I'm, I'm sorry. I get it. I know. Okay, I, I promise. So he did. And he dropped it off at my house. So guess who had to move the bookcases, put all the wires back in? Two days later, my friend comes walking in my office. He says, Len, hey, I'd like to borrow the docking station thing. To which I said, get out of my office! 
I know. I said, dude, what are you talking about? He goes, no, I just like to. I said, no, there is no chance. He goes, why not? I go, dude, I just got it back after a month. They'll, see, you ready? The last time I trusted you, there's no way I'm doing that again. You, you realize that some of us are sitting here today and the, and the reason we're in the position that we're in is because the last time God gave us some cookies, we were pretty sure they were all for me. We gobbled them down and God's going, no, we're, we're not going to do that again. See, because a manager, a manager would have asked, I wonder why God gave me the plate and I wonder what he wants me to do with it. See, here, here. this will help you so much to figure out whether you still think you're an owner or whether you've figured out you're a manager. It's what I call the blessed test. You ready for this? When you get something unexpected, you know, you get a little check in the mail or a little kickback or maybe the government gives you a rebate on your income tax thing. An owner says, isn't that cool? Boy, God has blessed me. A manager says, I wonder what God was hoping I would do with it. Two totally different questions. Owner, manager. Hey, we've got a couple of families in the church that just by being around, I've had the chance to hear their story. And you ready for this? They're the stories of managers. And I just invited them to come this morning and share their manager stories with you and me, because I just think it drives this whole thing home. So if you would just join me in welcoming the Furmans and the Listons to the stage. Okay, we've got Alan and Nicole, and then um, we've got Kelly and Jay. There you go. A little sloppy with my cookies. Okay. So, Alan, Nicole, we're going to start with you guys. Uh, Alan, you, you were kind of, you're one of those guys that I, I just call the get it done, make it happen kind of guys. You, you started uh, working for a communication provider cable company in the area who we will not mention their name, but their initials are Cox. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> You started, you started just driving trucks. I mean, you were, you were kind of, if there's a bottom of the totem pole, you started at the bottom and have literally spent your career moving up. And, and I think some people would look and say at a pretty good rate through the company, it's, it's been a good time. But a little while back, your boss called you in the office and uh, you were pretty sure you were in trouble. So tell us just a little bit about that. Well, uh, I go to a, a meeting with, uh, with my boss and... Um, it, it was just a meeting with all the other directors that, that work in the same you know, area that I work. And my, my boss at the end of the meeting says, I need to see you in my office. And immediately you start thinking, boy, you know, everything's been going really well at work. I, I don't know why he wants to talk to me. And uh, so we go and we sit down and he sits on his side of the desk and I sit on my side of his desk. And he says, you know, we we're just kind of looking at everyone's salary. And, um, you know, we just decided we're not paying you enough. And he slides a, sh a sheet of paper across, the, across his desk and it has my you know current salary and then uh, a new salary and it was uh, it was giving me a raise for fifteen thousand dollars a year just okay because. so here's the deal I mean that happens every day to me <laughs> you know <clears throat> 
But here's, here's what I know. Here's what I know. If, if someone slid a piece of paper and said, look, we just decided we are not paying you enough, and we're going to give you... I've got a list. See, I've got a list of things I could do, you know, if, if, if I had that increase. And, and I, I have to believe that immediately, you know, you start working, oh my goodness, this could change my life, right? You went a different direction. Well, you know, I, I think we also kind of had a list when we first started. We had a car that probably didn't run all that good. And, you know, immediately you start going, boy, $15,000 a year, you break, you know, you, immediately I'm, you know, in your mind, you're going over the calculation, well, with, take the taxes out of that, and then it's going to be this much, and could we afford a new car? And um, By the time I made it home, though, um, Nicole and I started thinking, and just kind of, it was just apparent to us that that gift was so big and so generous that it wasn't for us, and that it, um, we decided to try to do everything we could to take that money and give it back to God somehow. Okay, so let me, so we've all got this. You get a $15,000 raise. Somewhere in your heart you say, I don't think maybe God gave me this for me, even though I've got my list. I've got, I've got a whole bunch of things I know I could do. Now you go home and you get to tell your wife, right? I, here's what I think God is doing. So Nicole talked to what goes through the heart and the mind of a wife when her husband comes home insane. Insane. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the initial feeling was, yeah, th th that, that knee-jerk reaction is, are you insane? Um, how many times has the van been in the shop this last six months, you know, and um, <laughs> all the different things that are going, you know, that keep coming up and, you know, problems, that, but, um, but then as I started to process it for a minute, you know, I went, you're right, you know, God has always always been faithful and provided we've never gone without food. We've never gone without um, a roof over our heads and electricity and all the things we need. Um, this is God's, this is, you know, Alan um, has worked really hard, but you can see God's hand in everything, um, every part of our lives, and he's always been faithful. So, you know, that was, um, you know, we don't, it's, it's his. <laughs> it's all his. So here's, here's what I figure everyone's thinking. Everyone's going, okay, we, we, we get this because you've already built such a big pile that you didn't need anything else on your pile, right? And so that's why this was an easy decision for you guys. Tell everybody how many kids you got at home and, and what size your house is. Well, we have five kids now, um, and we have a 1,500-square-foot house. We actually, we were talking about it. Um, we have a similar story. We have two adopted girls and uh, we actually enclosed our back porch to be able to make a room for um, one of our sons so that we could have when Andrea first came to live with us she was in the living room so we don't really you know we kind of drive around we were looking at a house around the corner here um, a six-bedroom house thinking you know that way all the kids could have their own room and uh, you know we looked at the price and said well if we do that we wouldn't be able to do some of the, the things that we do um, you know with our finances so we decided to just stay in the house that we're in and make do hmm. And here's the thing I think is great about your story. I, I, I don't think any of us today are saying that everybody else has to make the same decisions that you've made. What I love about your story is that you asked the manager question. See, when it came, you asked, I wonder why God gave this. And then you came with whatever your answer was. But I love the fact that you asked the manager's question. Totally cool, guys. I honor you. All right, now we're, we're going to move over to the Liston family because yours is a little different. Yours doesn't involve money. Uh, you guys really kind of looked and said, what is it that we believe God has really blessed us with and what do we think the goodness of God has been? And one of the things you came back is you said, we think our family. We think God has just 
given us an amazing home, an amazing family, and you begin to say, what would it mean to leverage that? What would it mean to share that? And you guys began to consider foster care. That's correct. Um, not that I don't like the, I'd like to have more money story. That's a pretty good one there. But um, <clears throat> we have four kids, 21, 18, 14, and 12. And I've always had people living with us through the years just that kind of came up. In fact, when we were first married, her brother, who was 14 at the time, and we were you know early 20s, and uh, she was like nine, right, when we were married. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> and so he lived with us in the basement like a little troll, as we called him, for a couple of years. And it was no big deal. So we kind of got used to it. And then there was always somebody who needed a spot for a few months, and we just people were just living with us. And we, we know that was... We didn't just wake up, you know, a couple of years ago and say, hey, let's do foster care. It was just kind of one of those things that slowly and surely we went that direction. And we knew that, you know, what God had given us, you know, we had stuff to give back. And there's a reason for that. And, and that's kind of why we're at. See, I think the part that's interesting about your story is, is because we're not going to tell everybody how old you are. <clears throat> 45. There you go. But your, your, your kids are getting old enough. You're, you're getting to the point where, you know... All that responsibility, all that stuff gets to go away here pretty soon. You get to start running around your house naked. You know, all that good stuff, you know. And, and, you, hey. <laughs> and you came back and said, no, 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 wait a minute. God may, God may be doing something different. And, and be honest with you, something that for me is just almost terrifying is the idea of going all the way back to having an infant uh, in your home and taking responsibility for that. All right, now we know why she wanted to do foster care, I guess, the whole, she wanted to get rid of that naked thing, but. Um, <laughs> that wasn't gonna happen, right? She yes. considered and went with yeah. this option, right? All right, I get it, I didn't it. have a problem with it. it. But um, yeah, so we went through the classes and, and did about a year's worth to get, it took longer to actually get certified for foster care than to actually have a baby, which I guess is a good thing. Um, and we had placed with us a a little guy named Felix. Somebody may have seen us walking around with him. And uh, that was in October. And uh, he just came into our house very timid. He'd been bounced around to six different houses in the last, you know, few weeks. And, um, and it was just really shy and timid. And, and, and he just kind of moved into my heart and exploded, you know. It's like, wow. And so we had him over the holidays. And he just went back um, a couple weeks ago to his mom. She did everything that she needed to do to get him back. And we're thankful for that. So he's back with her. Uh, but that's probably one of the hardest things we had to do as a family, to bring them in, love them like they're your own. I mean, change a poopy diaper, you do that when, you know, your own kids. And so going away is, is tough, but uh, that's kind of what we signed up to do. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think everybody should know that, you know, a lot, very often when you get into foster care, these kids come with other baggage, other stuff going on in their lives. Felix had a condition. Correct. Right? Felix had some, some, some health issues, a lot of other health issues, but the main one was that he had a... Uh, a form of a herpes virus that was outside of his mouth and would go down his chin. He drooled a lot. If anybody's seen us walking around with him, he had a shirt that said Dr. Drool and it would just be wet. Anyway, that was his, his skill and that was good. And so, he, but he had the scores, and, but you gotta kiss him, you gotta love him. And, and our daughter who's 14 said, you know, I don't know if I can do this. You know, I might get that. And, and Kelly's a prayer warrior, thank goodness. And, and we pray a lot and just knew that God was gonna protect us. And sure enough, we kissed him, loved him, hugged him, everybody did. And our kids have all, dive in and, and helped mm. out and, you know, God, God kept us from that. You, you so. were telling me that you thought this experience was not only impacting your lives, but the lives of your kids. That's correct. And the reason I'm doing all the talking is she's kind of lost her voice, you know, I'm trying to believe her. But that's, yes. the, that's the story uh, she's allegedly. telling us, right? Allegedly. Yeah. We'll just say that. But, yeah. uh, um, not that I'm a loud mouth or anything, but yes, it, the, I guess one of the reasons as I go back to 
You find yourself in this comfort zone, kind of what you were talking about, where your kids are older, they can dress themselves, they can brush their teeth, at least they're supposed to, and all that stuff, and get ready wherever you're going, and you kind of sit back a little bit, and I found myself uncomfortable in this comfort zone, and wanted to break free, and we've been talking about it, and we said we're going to go forward and do this, so all of our kids have, have you know, like I said, they just dove right in with us, and I do think the reason I'm on this, is, this earth is you know, to be humble and not be spectacular or do anything, but I think they're going to do something in this world for Jesus with the opportunities here in Chandler and at Cornerstone or wherever, and I think that's what we're trying to enable. And also, as we get older and they move out, we're going to have rooms, so hmm. might as well fill them up with, with kids, I guess. You guys gave Felix back. That afternoon, you got two more kids. Correct. That well, afternoon, somebody called from the Christian Family Care Agency who we licensed through, and it was a, a sibling group, a two-year-old and a 22-day-old who were available. A lot of people don't want to take two when they do foster care and so forth, but we, you know, it popped up, what are you gonna do, right? So we said, yeah. Um, I go to Dallas the next week on a trip and they call at three o'clock and say, we're coming at five, we're taking the, the police, we're gonna get this kid out of the hospital because he had multiple, the 22 day old had multiple fractures and, and, and things of, of that sort. So they took him away, brought him to our house a couple hours later and she's running around calling me, what am I gonna do? I said, well, I'm in Texas, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And I wasn't naked, I'll tell you that. So. Uh, but so they just brought him over, right? And, and we started living life. And he's got a, a brother as well who's two. Is, you know, there's obviously been some, some issues there as well that we're trying to figure so out. So I, I hope the 22-day-old that came to you had 13, 13 broken bones, yeah. is that right? It's, his ribs were fractured, eight ribs. Uh, each leg had breaks. In, uh, see, here's, here's, yeah. here's, see, here's the part that just hits me as we do this. What if you guys hadn't? What if you hadn't thought of your family as something you were managing and instead thought it was something your own? What if you decided not to share? You know, and it's just a different question in it with a yeah, totally different and, answer. And I guess once you look, you know, we used to, we do go to the, to the shelters, the crisis centers and, and volunteer and sit with the kids and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, the need is so great. Um, but the cool thing has been that as we have done this and try to help. There's so many people within the community here and our friends and family and that are praying, even for Felix, who's now gone. We're, there's hundreds of people praying for him that never would have, right? So whether he's with us for a short time and off again, you know, we think God's going to do something in his life just because of the people that will continue to pray. And the same with, with these two that we have. We've got, you know, we don't need any more newborn diapers. We are stacked in our garage because people are just giving us stuff. You know, twirly, bouncy, buzzy thingies that never had when our kids that you know, put them in. These things are great. So we've got all kinds of them, and we're just running out of batteries. We need more batteries. Yeah. So. There you go. Hey, I just, I just want to honor you guys. I want to honor you guys for being managers, for saying we get that none of this is stuff we own, whether it's money or whether it's our homes or our families, and I wonder what God would have us do. And I just thank you for your stories. Thank you so much. your Bibles again. Same story. This time, read it as a manager. See, because if you read it as a manager, you will understand the frustration of Jesus Christ with this guy and with all owners. Here's what it says. 
Someone in the crowd said to him, said to Jesus, teacher, tell me, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me to be a judge or an arbiter for you? He then said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And then he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Boy, it sounds different from a manager's ears, doesn't it? But God said to him, "Be you fool, this, is, this very night your life will be demanded from you. And then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. Here's the answer. You ready? Every one of us in this room has Skittles. Managers ask different questions. Managers ask, I wonder why God gave me my Skittles, and I wonder what he was hoping I would do. Let's bow our heads. Dear Lord Jesus, we just got to be honest. We've, we've spent an awful lot of our lives building bigger barns. See, we were pretty sure in our hearts that all that stuff was for us that it couldn't possibly be that you had loaded our plates down in hopes that we would leverage some of our cookies for the kingdom, that we would make you famous and that we would show people who don't know you yet what it's like to be a follower of Christ. And God, whether that was putting money into our church or becoming a foster parent and showing love in a dark world, bigger barns. God, that our hearts this morning would say, never again, never again, never again will I build bigger barns. I'm a manager, not an owner. And I will always ask, I wonder why God gave me a bag of Skittles. And I wonder what he was hoping I would do.